he takes our place. And so all of the story of man up to Jesus is this process of learning the cost of that separation. And, and here we are, and Jesus uh, takes our place, and then we come to, to chapter 4, belief. And it's just the simplest, it, it, this is where it's so simple, that there is nothing that has to be done by anyone in order to cross that line into a relationship with God again. It's only to believe that what Jesus did is what is needed to be in that relationship. And we put our trust, our faith, our, all of our belief, our complete belief in him. So you see this process of this story unfolding. God, man, and sin is in there, Jesus, and belief. And so you got these four parts of the gospel. And when, when Peter says, it's this gospel that I was set, sent out to share, then, then he's talking about that information right there, those pieces of information. And it's, it's important that the gospel not be adjusted or added to. C.S. Lewis uh, said this. Let me read it to you. I think we'll, we'll put it up on the wall here. He said, The gospel, if the gospel is untrue, it is of no importance whatsoever. If the gospel is true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing that Christianity cannot be is of moderate importance. The only thing that this truth cannot be is of moderate importance. It's one or the other. So when these folks came in from this early church, and the early church had problems too, just like we do, when these people came in and said, oh, well, these people need to, to follow these physical laws and moral laws and structural laws of the Old Testament, then what they were doing is they're saying, it's Jesus... The gospel is what Jesus did in believing him plus doing these things, right? They're saying you've got, you got to add this to be in a relationship with God to believing in Jesus, Jesus plus. And I love how Keller talks about this. What he says is that this is how you can evaluate this. The gospel is always about removing burdens. The gospel is about removing burdens, not putting burdens on you or me. Now think about that for a second when you, when you resonate with, in your heart about what, what the gospel is. It's, it's removing, when, when we are brought into that relationship with God, we have removed the burdens of the past. In other words, it doesn't matter what you did before. It doesn't matter who you are at that moment. It's what Jesus did that brings you into a relationship with God. And the other side of that is it doesn't matter what happens after that. Now, some of you may, you know, shudder at that a little bit. That's, we're talking about the gospel, not growing in Christ. We're talking about coming to know Jesus, coming to know God through Jesus. And when that happens, it's not performance-based in the past and it's not performance-based in the future. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? You're not gonna, you didn't earn it back here. You're not going to earn it up here. You messed up back here. You messed up over here. You're going to mess up. Just know it's what it is. That's who we are, and that's okay. God knew that because sometimes we think, well, when I go to God and he, and he relieves me of this burden of sin and, re, and renews me to relationship with him, well, all he knew about was the stuff I did before. You know, that's all he knows about. No, it's, it, it doesn't have any, that's not it. He sees everything at once, right? He knows past, present, future. 
And it's not just what you did. It's not because you lied when you were in third grade. It's because we were born under the economy of sin. We inherited it and we get adopted by faith into the family of God. Okay, so it's an adoption. The child doesn't have to earn the adoption. So, and here's, here's one other thing. It's, it's, it's not performance-based. Another way to say that, and I, I'll say this to you again and again because I think it's so important. When somebody says, well, what's the difference between, you know, following Jesus and, and other religions? You know, I, I don't understand that. Well, one of the things that I always point to is that it's, in Christianity, or let's say, let's say all other major religions, it's about do. You do these things in order to perform or to, be, to move to a higher level. You do these things. Following Jesus is not about performance. It's not about doing. It is about done. It's not about do. It's about done. It's what he has done that brings us into a relationship with God. Not about what you do. You can never know if you do enough. And that is why the, there, there is such beauty in the gospel. And it's such a leveler of everything. Because she's not better than you or you. And I'm not better. We're all the same before God. So, the first thing Peter does to begin to unite these different perspectives of the church is remind people of what the gospel is. The gospel begins to unite broken people. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, look, at, look at verse 5. Some of the believers rose up and said, you've got to do this, 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 and this. Right Now, it says earlier in the passage that they were Pharisees. These people were trying to do something good. You ever tried to do something good and it all got just jacked up? It's kind of like my glue thing on a bigger scale. These people had this incredible religious heritage. They were Pharisees. They were leaders. And they had come to know Jesus. So they'd been trained in all of this stuff. And all of the things that they'd been trained in, all the rules, the circumcision, all the things you had to do in order to be right with God, all of that was a model to show them and show us that we cannot be right enough. It has to continually be done and done and done. And Jesus comes and draws that line. You don't have to do anymore, okay? So they were trying to do something good. They were saying, well, this is how we've always understood it. And Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the Messiah. So we should keep doing this stuff. Well, you know... I can, I can understand how they would feel that. I, we get worried. You know, have you ever, did you hear what that person said or what they taught? Or was it was a little bit off. I'm like, well, we, we want to, we do this thing where we, we, um, we think we're right all the time. Or maybe it's just me. <laughs> Another part of the messiness of being human. I think I have a better way of doing it. You know, we all, that's how we operate and it's okay. It's just how God has made us. But these guys were going out and they were trying to protect the church. I mean, think about it. These are the super conservative Jewish dudes with the whole nine, everything you think about, the most conservative Jewish guy. And then there are these bunch of hippie uh, folks up north that are converting to Christ and they worship the pantheon of the Greek gods. And they're about to be forced, you know, in their culture to worship the Roman emperor, right? So these people down in Jerusalem are like, or they're going, oh my gosh, the church is going to go south like crazy because all these wild hippies are now crossing. Now, I sometimes think like when the first, when, uh, when Steve came up to Crested Butte 
to, to, to minister here. I, I got a feeling that those conservative Baptists, wherever they sent him, were like, what happens when that crazy, you know, hippie people like that guy uh, become believers? <laughs> Which they do, and look what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, they were probably back going, what are we going to do? What are we going to, you know? Because they're, doing, they're trying to do the good thing. They're trying to do the good thing. They had a great religious history. And remember, they didn't have the Bible. I always think, oh yeah, why didn't they just go read, you know, like, Acts this. Well, that's because they're right. They're the story of Acts, you know? <laughs> Why didn't they look and see what, what Mark said? Well, he hadn't written yet. They don't have a letter from Paul yet. That hadn't been circulated. We can go back and if I say something goofy, you should go and look and say, I don't think I, you know, let's look at that. Let's see what the scripture says, right? They didn't have that. So again, they're, they're trying to do the best thing, but they have to be brought back to the truth of the gospel. Uh, here, and here's something that we got to remember locally and, and more globally. It's, it's something I dealt with a lot in my previous job because we did a lot of work with people in poverty. And most of the time, if I say people in poverty, uh, what, the, what we were doing was we were translating the word uh, the poor. Because whenever I say, hey, we're going to go work with the poor, that's somebody else, right? That's not me. But people in poverty is all of us. And we have this tendency to go us and them right? We automatically say us and them. And even in this passage, it says we and them. And it was a constant battle for me to re, kind of redefine the terms for our church and our, for, for our community to see that it's not about us and those other broken people. It's not about us who have the truth or this great church or so much knowledge about Jesus and those other people who do things a little differently, right? It's we need to be careful as believers about the us and them. Especially even in this room. We can't go me and her and us. We need to be thinking about this unity that the gospel brings us. And this is what Peter does. Look in uh, verse 8. He says, God who knows that... He, he, he appeals to God in his order of, of arguing. He says, God knows the heart. He bore witness to them. He, he brought them in, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he, God, made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their heart by faith. So God erases the us and them. He said, we can't be talking about this stuff. We can't be adding to this. not Jesus plus. He puts everyone on the same field, but, but first he does that with God. He says, now God makes no distinction. He gave them the Holy Spirit, just like he did to us in Jerusalem. That story, you know, we read about. Well, then he brings it down to another level. Uh, he, he, says, he, says, he says, God did that, but he, he, then he takes him and he says, but we, we, and we'll see this in a moment, have been uh, brought into this relationship under grace. And he'll follow this um, the structure where he, he makes it more and more personal for these people that he's dealing with. But when God makes no distinction between us, what it requires and what it leads to, it should lead to for us, for application, is that there is unity among us. And unity is one of the, the toughest things because whenever you bring people together, you're going to have disunity. We all know, I mean, that's the thing about this town. And if you're new to our town, you will find out soon that there is, everybody knows everybody's stuff, one way or the other. And 
it probably takes about five or six months before it's all out there, one way or the other, okay? And that's where this is a place that, um, let me say it this way, unity out there is some kind of contract that people make to tolerate each other. Unity in here is a different thing. Unity in this place amongst our brothers and sisters with all of our differences, no matter where we are spiritually, is a different thing. It's, um, it's not that we wouldn't show, we wouldn't, it's not that we, we, need, we still need to break down the walls of us and them outside of this family, but we have to break down those walls of us and them within this, within this room, in this extended family that goes out. I had a, a, a friend of mine, when he joined a church that I used to go to a long time ago, he and his wife had been looking for churches all over the city for, for months. And finally he said to his wife, her name's Riley, he said, Riley, if we go to this church, if we visit this church, this one today, and, and there's nothing really, really wrong, we're going to stay there. <laughs> it's like, that was, he'd gotten so tired of looking for the perfect church that he just said, if there's nothing really, really wrong, we're just going to stay there and see what happens. And it, what it is, you know, once you find the perfect church, you might not want to go there because you're going to mess it up. That's, you just need to know that. We bring, we're just all broken people. And I, I feel like our, our tendency is so much us and them. And, oh, you know, I have a better way of doing this and a better way of thinking about this. And our church is better than them in this. And our, you know, and I'm, she does this thing. And, that, and, she, and they do, but, but I don't, you know. We're always drawing these lines, but it's not about that. It's about when we come together inside the grace of Christ that is the gospel. That's, that's the thing that, there's no works on either side of that. So, so the gospel brings this unity among people, among broken people. And it, there's this, this one other thing, I guess it's, it's like the, I don't know if it's the gas in the engine or the thing that really has to be there for it to work, and that's grace. The grace that, that makes this all a reality. And if you look, here's, here's where Peter takes the argument down to another level in chapter 15, verse 10. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck, these laws on the neck of these new believers? That neither our fathers, remember Peter is a Jewish guy too, nor we have been able to bear. This, those laws didn't, didn't help us. They only showed us what was wrong. And it's, it's cool how Peter does this. Uh, what, he, what he does is he says, okay, first God made no distinctions, and now we are going to admit, and you see it there, uh, that we, oh, where is it? You are, it says, you are putting God to the test by placing this yoke on the neck of these disciples that we were not able to bear. Verse 11, but we believe that we will be saved through grace. All of us believe this, so he brings them into that. And all of the assembly fell silent. I feel like I was getting like a music thing to bring. <laughs> like, like, hey, Scott, it's time to end this thing. Let's, let's bring this to a close. Let's turn it up till I stop. You can, so when Pete, I am almost done, by the way. But you can almost see this deal where Peter brings up grace. He says, uh, we believe that we'll be saved by grace in Jesus, just like they will. And you can almost see the guys on the other side of the table going, oh, he did that. 
He brought up grace because we can't argue with that, you know? And Peter is like looking at him saying, yep, I did that. I'm that guy who brought that up. You cannot argue with me. And the thing about grace is that, that grace, it's more than mercy. Grace is that thing where you're given something that not only do you not deserve, but you deserve the opposite. Grace is a gift that we receive, not that we don't deserve, but that, in fact, we deserve the opposite of that. And that's that incredible thing that God does out of his goodness that is such a blessing to us. It's the opposite of a yoke. It's the opposite of performance. It's the opposite of being good enough. It just comes in and says, you know what? You are in a broken relationship with me because of your inheritance and being man and because of, because of the fact that you've done things that have broken that. And you continue and you will continue to do those things. But I'm not going to place something on you. I'm going to let my son take your place. And the thing about this, this grace, Peter's talking about it uh, from this kind of standpoint, grace between God and man. But there was also an application for them and for us of grace between these guys and the guys up north, this Christian family here and the, and the Christian family that was up in Antioch and beyond that. Uh, that. The church that wanted to add the rules needs to show grace to the church that didn't have any rules and vice versa. The church that thought they had it all together and were all the new Christians couldn't look back and say, oh, those people are so stuck. But if they just were enlightened like we are. There's grace that needs to go both ways in that. And then if you bring it down, that's, that's a kind of a bigger perspective, but if you bring it down to us individually in this room and in our community, there's grace that needs to be shared in between us. Or some people look better and some people don't look so great. But the grace has got to go both ways. Undeserved, even when the opposite is deserved. So it's, this is really about this whole thing is about relationship. Relationship with God and relationship between us. And I, and I need to say a really practical point for us that um, what, what the gospel uniting people under grace means is that anyone is welcome to join with us, to be a part of us. Okay? That, that doesn't mean everyone is a Christian that, that joins with us and becomes a part. But when even when someone becomes a Christian, when they've explored, when they've been with us enough to know that this is what they want to do, they want to follow Jesus, they don't have to clean up first. And they don't have to be suddenly changed and leave behind their preferences, what they do, and all, those, that, all that stuff. If you are a Christian, you know it doesn't all change all of a sudden. It's a process where God is bringing us along, just like when you first met somebody you really care about. You suddenly didn't know everything about them and know how to please them and work towards a relationship with it. You didn't, but you learn. You learn. You're not automatically all the way down the road. Just, that's not how it works. That's not how relationship works. So it's just super important that I say, um, you know, I'll, and I'll say it again, this thing that we're doing right now is just an event. This is not church. This is a gathering of believers and people who are checking it out. Okay, we got to get rid of all the things that we've thought of in the past. This is where it all happens. This is just a thing that we're doing. We could do it on Friday. We could do it at 6 a.m. None of us would be here. We could do it, you know, 
we could do a whole bunch of different things. It's just a gathering of believers, right? And, as, and, and people who are seeking. And as such, anyone can be here and anyone can obviously come to know Jesus because it's about the gospel and grace, okay? So we need to have that mentality when, no matter who comes in the door here or comes into our small groups or wherever we are. It's wide open. Now, does that mean that anyone is going to, to be a leader in the church or teach? Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Someone who walks onto the soccer field has never played before is not going to be the captain. I mean, it's just that simple. It doesn't, you, you become a part of that and God nurtures you and grows you up and you take on more responsibility and accountability. And that, that process is something that, that happens over time, sometimes a really long time. When we're just talking about coming into the body, just finding out what Jesus is about or coming to Christ, we, we cannot be like the Pharisees who said, well, they, they look a little different. We need to get them cleaned up spiritually or physically or whatever. So grace to one another uh, is critical. It's not just a between churches kind of thing from a distance. And, and finally, let me, let me just wrap it up. Uh, perhaps for you, uh, it's the gospel that you need to interact with. This truth about who Jesus is and, and what that means in your life, that you need this relationship with God and the only way there is through faith, through belief in Jesus. Well, talk to him about that in just a moment. Now, perhaps it's that you are, are someone who is um, wrestling with the messiness of yourself and people around you. Uh, and it, there's a a need for you to go to God with that and, and talk about it with him, to bring unity. And take, take some time and, and pray through that and talk to God about that now. And, then, and finally, maybe you're someone who, where grace is, is something you just need to receive. You need to know that, that whatever you think you deserve is just not true because we're talking about a different God than, than you're talking. If you think you're going to be find retribution, you're talking about the wrong God. So, Take a few moments here as Jim is going to come and lead us in, uh, in communion and, th- and talk to God about this stuff. The gospel unites people in grace, and, and that's what is happening in Acts. I think will happen here too. So let me pray. Father, uh, I just ask that you would make this church one that is united, uh, un- uh, broken people united in, in your grace uh, because of the gospel. And God, you were... Uh, it's amazing that you have uh, differentiated. You, it's not even that. It's the way you relate to us and the way this has happened with Jesus and through faith is the, um, it's the, the core, it's the, the standard, it's, the, it's, the, it's absolutely the most basic thing in all of the religion and all of the things that have been added on top of that other religions and religion inside Christianity are, have been Jesus plus or something else. It's just all about rules and, and doing. And I just thank you that you have established the standard and that is that it is done. So uh, Lord, we thank you for that as we go into a time to uh, contemplate what Jesus did specifically for us. In his name, amen.